What's up, fight fans? Welcome to the UFC Fight Night 142 and the Ultimate Fighter Season 28 Heavy Hitters post-fight show brought to you by SBN MMA, which includes websites like BloodyElbow.com and also MMAMania.com. Go there to get all of your mixed martial arts and combat sports in general news. I'm joined once again by the Zane Simon. Zane, what do you think about this entire weekend of the UFC, which is what we're going to be focusing on? Uh, it gets like a four-ish. Uh, you know, it's like a a really big meh, mostly just because anything tied to the Ultimate Fighter can't be that exciting. Tonight's card was pretty alright, but having two really mediocre fight cards back-to-back gets no love, especially and tying everything to Ultimate Fighter, I just... You know, you can't have half the cards or half the fights on your fight card be that bad and have the fight or the event be really great. Right. Yeah, I I actually had the benefit of last night. I didn't watch the Ultimate Fighter finale live. I watched like the the good parts that people told me to watch Eugene S. Robinson style before watching this card and watching Mm -hmm. it that way was a lot better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, anytime you get a chance to just watch only the parts of a UFC card that are interesting, you've probably made the right decision. Yeah, but if we weren't doing this post-fight show all the time, I think that would be the way to watch the UFC because of Fox Sports 1 pacing, because they put a lot of just filler fighters that might not necessarily deserve to be in the UFC on the cards. That'd be the way to go. Yeah, it would be. I mean, I think you probably, ideally, what you want is if you don't have to cover it, you de- you uh, DVR it so you can fast forward, and then you get you, you get a, a reliable source, a really hardcore fan who is totally addicted and has nothing better to do, to not tell you any of the results, but just give you like a one out of five for every fight, and then watch everything that gets a four or above. Yeah, that would be the way to do it. Uh, that person would be I'd search out for uh, Grabaka Hitman. Mm-hmm. If you're not following him yeah. on Twitter, definitely be following that guy on Twitter. Probably the most hardcore fan in all of mixed martial arts. Yes. He's a godsend for anybody who ever has found themselves being like, oh my god, I really need footage of this one random fighter uh, for uh, an article or something like that. And you can just turn to him and be like, hey, do you have this fight he, where he fought in this super re- random regional Japanese org four years ago? And he'll be like, oh yeah, I got what, what format do you want it in? That guy has to have a lot of fucking storage space or just the brain of a god. Yep. Anyway, let's talk about the main event that we just watched where Junior Dos Santos, maybe he turned back the clock, I don't know, but he defeated uh, Tai Tuivasa in the second round via ground and pound TKO. The commenters are thinking, they're, they're really uh, on the fence about if the stoppage was late, if it was justified. What do you think about the, the result of this one? Uh, I think the stoppage was pretty justified. Tuivasa was just on his bad or on his back, getting beat up, taking shots. He'd clearly been pretty badly hurt, and uh, he, you know, like at some point with JDS on you in mount, and you're just eating shots, trying to punch off your back. I don't want to watch that. You, you know, he he was out of that fight. And he and, himself said that in the post-fight interview, he felt like a turtle on, on his shell, and he just couldn't get yeah. out of it. If you can't get out of a position, the fight's over. Yeah, and, and to to so, that point, too, I don't know it was so much JDS turning back the clock as it, like, what we saw against Arlovsky was a really close, hard fight, and that kind of represented 
where Tuivasa's at right now. He could sneak by Andre Arlovsky. So you put him in there with JDS, and it's like he's still just a league ahead of you. You know, if you jump in, waving your arms, swinging wild at JDS, he can still move around and clock you. He's just a better fighter right now. In two or three years, Tuivasa might beat him handily, but right now this is just too much too soon. And actually, the first round, it ended up uh, at the end of that five minutes of the first round, it seemed like JDS was just kind of trying to survive. He ate some big shots from Tuivasa, and so for that five minutes, it almost looked like Tuivasa was going to beat the elder statesman. Yeah, no, I mean, he had a strong first round. Really, mostly it was that he hurt his he hurt JDS's leg really bad. That seemed to shake JDS up, get him get break his concentration. Then Tuivasa started landing those wild shots that he was missing earlier, and you know that was really the turning point there. But in round two, JDS came out and he was moving around all right. He wasn't focusing on the leg anymore, and he just went back to beating Tuivasa to the punch and to countering him when he stepped in and. You know, Tuivasa is a dude who two years ago he was sneaking by, or he was sneaking by James McSweeney in a like one of the ugliest one-round fights I've ever seen, where they had to McSweeney had to throw in the towel after because they were both so exhausted and he couldn't continue. But like, you know, this is that's Tuivasa two years ago. He's been moving up fast, and they just rushed him in over his head. And in the post-interview, he said that he wants to fight Justin Willis next, which is kind of a step back. Uh, the reason why he wants that fight is because Willis, of course, beat yeah. Mark Hunt uh, two fights before this one. And I think that's perfect for him. I thought he was going to call him out whether he won or lost against JDS. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a safer fight than JDS right now. Willis is pretty focused on just kind of sticking and moving and pot-shotting and not really sitting down on anything too hard. But it also, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Willis is pretty composed. It's a, it's a, it's a fight right at Tuivasa's level, but I'd also just be happy to see Tuivasa take another step back and just get some more cage time, get some more fights he can win. You know, he's 8-1. and one. Spend, spend a few more rounds in there with dudes like Cyril Asker and stuff like that. Just Take fights that get you used to being in the cage and used to strategizing and not just blowing through everyone. Yeah, strategizing, that is the key there. He seemed to lose his composure a little bit, got too emotional in the second round, and that's ultimately what what got him finished. I was saying we could match him up with Justin Willis because Willis obviously has a great fight IQ. He's willing to have boring fights, just kind of move back, jab to victory, and Tuivasa would not allow. I don't think he would allow willis to have an, another boring fight and it just makes that's true i mean it would be a cool fight it just feels like it might also just hand tuivasa another ugly loss in a row and then suddenly you've had this prospect that's really fun and popular and cool and fun to watch and then you burned him out in two straight fights and then you're just back to oh he's just a heavyweight guy and i don't really care what happens with him yeah but he's only uh let's see he's how old is tuivasa he's only 25 yeah, so shit, in 13 years, he's probably going to be a champion. There you go. That is the heavyweight, the way they do things at heavyweight. It's just, you know, fans, they, they see fighters lose and they get sick of them. They don't, you know, once they see a prospect lose or have a tough fight once and they're like, oh, this guy sucks. I don't give a shit. And then it's really hard to get people on board again. So 
UFC should probably do a little more work to protect guys like him that are really popular and are really inexperienced. That's absolutely true. Uh, speaking of inexperienced, Tyson Pedro in the co-main event tonight. Uh, I, yeah. sh- I thought he showed a, a little bit of a lack of fight IQ for the second time in a row, and he lost to a guy who we thought was the shell of his former self. Might still be, but he beat Mauricio Shogun Hua in the third round. Or Mauricio Shogun Hua beat him in the third round. How surprising was that? Uh, I mean, it's pretty surprising, honestly. Pedro, I know it was partially from a headbutt, but Pedro hurt him as badly as he would have expected in round one and totally dominated. But, you know, that's the thing with an old dog like Shogun is if you don't put him out right away, he's going to make the fight really, really tough on you. That fight is, go- you know, other than that Dan Henderson third round knockout, it's almost all been like first round losses and and or wins over the stri- over the stretch for Shogun. He's a tough fighter to to just kind of move around for a young kid like Pedro who doesn't really have a Pedro is just he's a weird collection of tools. He's got every, all these things he's kind of good at and none of them he's really really good at. So, you know, he throws like a really good hook and you're like, "Oh, man." Or he throws that snap and head kick and you're like, "Look at that. That's amazing." And then you watch him actually move around and punch for a couple minutes. You're like, He's just leaping into every hook Shogun throws. So, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks for Pedro. He definitely has a lot of potential and a lot of flash for the division, and this is a fight he should have won, but the OSP fight was a fight he should have won too, and he just doesn't quite get that he's not so physically gifted that he can just dominate through sheer physicality at light heavyweight. Yeah, I mean, he got physically dominated by the aging and we assume to be frail Shogun Hua. So he, he's another guy like Tuivasa, like you said, should take a step back in competition, maybe look at a game plan heading into a fight, and then use those tools that you said that he has the well-roundedness and just kind of use them in a cohesive way. Mauricio in the post-fight interview said that he's one... F- <laughs> I laughed just saying... He said he's one win away from a title shot. Eugene... Uh, S. Robinson would say that he's misty. He's he's lost battalion. But I mean, the guy's four and one in his last five. It, maybe he knows right where he is. But that was a weird thing for who to say. How far away do you think he is from a title? Yeah, it's not weird for him to say. Yeah, I, I mean, what do you want him to say? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm a loser, and I'm just gonna chug along here, being a loser until I get until I retire. Like, fighting is all about maintaining a certain amount of delusion you got to believe that you're about to be champ you got to believe that you're the best you got to believe that you're always right on the cusp of greatness or you know the reality is going to hit you that you're fist fighting people for money and losing your health on the way so i I don't take much out of it he's not a a fight away from a title shot no but it's up i mean there's no reason for him to not think that like what would be the value of him thinking no, I got a long way to go. You got to like you got to think. You got to you got to get yourself out of bed in the morning and say, "No, it's right there. If I just go out and I win another fight, I'm right there." That's true to be a to be a fighter in the UFC or at any level of mixed martial arts, you have to actually believe in yourself at a really high level. Like you said, yeah. have that delusion. So Mauricio was at one time booked against against Volkan Uzdemir, and when they made that fight, I thought, oh man, that's going to be a murder. I thought tonight was going to be a shellacking. I almost think we should rebook Shogun with Uzdemir, or Rob Amon says against Dominic Reyes. Oh, both of those fights make me shudder. What do you think should be next for him? I mean, 
the, the problem is, is that the way Shogun's ranked, he's won four out of his last five fights. Those are the kind of fights he's going to take. Like, those are the fights he's going to get. And they're also going to end up being the fights that end up looking like the uh, Anthony Smith fight. He's going to win. He's, he's savvy enough. He hits really hard still, clearly. He's uh, probably actually a more technical boxer than he's ever been in his career. So the tools are there. He just gets hurt so easily. And that means he's going to keep racking up just enough wins to get him in there with somebody like Uzdemir, somebody like Reyes, who might actually have the same problems as uh, somebody as, uh, oh, damn it, Pedro did. But is also very likely to just knock Shogun out cold again. And that's but that's light heavyweight. I mean, heavy, light heavyweight's full of great athletes, great knockout artists, and you keep winning, you got to fight them. Yeah, and that's that's the fight game. If fighters are going to get knocked out and they're going to stay past their prime, they're going to stay past their welcome and and uh if they're going to be here, we might as well book them in meaningful matches. Speaking of uh fighters that are on the cusp of a title shot, last night at the Ultimate Fighter Season 28 finale, Kamaru Marty, the Nigerian Nightmare Usman, dominated Rafael Dos Anjos in the main event. Uh, at times it looked like Usman was nearly going to get the finish, but then just, of course, went back on his laurels and stuck to the wrestling game, even once he had Rafael Dos Anjos hurt. And actually, Dos Anjos was having his best success, if you can call it that, off of his back. Uh, what, do you, what do you take from that win for Usman? Uh, he's going to be the guy that is going to continue being the most avoided man in the division if uh, the rest of the division has anything to say about it. He's really good. He's really strong. He's a dominating wrestler. His striking honestly looked a lot better than it has before in that fight. He's looking sharper. He's looking more fluid, more natural. And yet, I you know, I can't ever imagine him and his style being any kind of draw, so... Everybody else in the division is just going to be like, I don't want to lose to this dude and have nobody watch or care. And just be like, you know, nobody wants to end up like Rafael Dos Anjos and just be like, oh, man, he got mugged by that dude I don't want to watch again. So right. it's a tough world for Usman because I can't imagine Woodley's out there going, man, I want that fight. Can't wait to get my hands on Kamaru Usman. He's thinking, nah, I'll fight Colby Covington, wipe the floor with him. Maybe try and get that GSP fight going. See if I can, uh, you know, fight Robert Whitaker maybe at some point in the future. Get anything other than having to fight Usman, and that's not a scared thing. It's just like, why would you, why would you want something that doesn't gain anything for you while putting you at risk? Right, Usman's not going to be providing any pay per view points at all. And no. as a as a fan, I like Usman. He, I went to the same oh, yeah. college as him. But he, I think he'd get stomped on by Woodley. Woodley's just as good of a wrestler, if not better, and has more punching power. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a reasonable chance. But, I mean, it's not like Woodley's never lost before. You know, that's the thing. Is that, you know, is Nate Marquardt a better wrestler with more punching power than Tyron Woodley? I, mean, I know Woodley's not the same fighter he was then, but... Woodley's had bad fights. Rory McDonald just kind of styled on him entirely in a fight. There's There are opportunities for being an incredibly low output, sit on your back against the fence, and look for big single counter shots 
for somebody to beat him, I don't know that I would pick. I wouldn't pick Usman to do it, but I, uh, you know, I'm willing to watch it. Like it would be interesting enough for me because what else are you gonna, you know? Done on paper. It, it, <laughs> the thing that we talk about sometimes, how the UFC's kind of gripped a lot of hardcore fans into believing their thing. Don't blink. You know, anything can happen at a moment's notice. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Anything can happen. Zane, before I let you get out of here, let's talk about either a what the fuck of the card or who you think was the biggest star, who shined the brightest in this weekend of the UFC fights. Huh. Probably in terms of shining the brightest, unfortunately, I mean, it probably goes to Junior Santos. Like, Tui Vasa, they really got that whole build up. He got the song, he got all this emotion. And then J- JDS just kind of went out and put the screws to him. I can't really think of anyone else who came out of this weekend getting more out of it, especially because it keeps JDS in a title picture with a champion that he hasn't fought before. I mean, I you know, it's me- with, with Miocic not having the belt and with Kane still well out of the picture, there's there are openings for Junior Dos Santos to be on a win streak and mean something. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, I mean... Being a tough winner doesn't mean much. Usman could get stuck in the mud. Uh, Munhos, that's a cool win, but that division is full of tough challenges ahead of him. And uh, Joe B probably was, you know, otherwise had the biggest, best performance. I don't know if there really was any single, what the fuck, oh my God, otherwise. Same, probably that Roosevelt Roberts choke where he turned Daryl Horcher sideways against the fence. That was pretty cool. Yeah, the Roberts thing was extremely cool. Like you were mentioning, nobody's coming out of here shining incredibly bright. My what the fuck of the card and just kind of what the fuck to the entire UFC. You mentioned that Joseph Benavidez might be one of the brightest stars because he had that TKO. He had two TKOs over Alex Perez. Yeah, the double TKO, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that could be a what the fuck of the whole weekend. But just like a what the fuck to the UFC for... Like cutting the flyweight division if they're really doing that because you said Benavides comes out uh, shining pretty bright. He calls out the winner of of that next title fight. Uh, Kai Kara France looked like a super fun fighter to watch against Elias Garcia on the prelims of this fight card. So that's that's where my what the fuck's going. I love flyweight fights. Wilson Hayes versus Ben Wen was, you know, maybe one of the most boring flyweight fights we've ever seen. But in general, flyweights are highly enticing and highly entertaining. I like that Hayes fight. I thought it was pretty good, but that's just me. I, I, I liked the fight a lot myself, too. I had a little bit of money on, on Wilson Hayes as the underdog, but I was watching the Bloody Elbow Twitter as, as it was happening and thinking it was you, and whoever was running it was not impressed. And I'm like, oh, Zane wasn't impressed by that. Huh. No, I, I wasn't. I, I was watching at home. Like I said, I, I didn't run Twitter for this. So I, everything ha- everything was a little more enjoyable than normal to me for me tonight without having to actually work my way through it. It's a lot more fun to like have something else in the background, watch something else, watch the fights at the same time, just, you know, enjoy it a little more, do something else with my time. Plus I drank a shitload of beer today, so I'm I love like, it. I love it. I love it a lot. You live time. in the craft beer Mecca, right? In the Pacific Northwest uh, yeah. Seattle. That's amazing. Any time that you can watch fights without having to live tweet it or prepare a post-fight show or anything i feel like the fights are better a lot of people like the commenters sometimes are like oh these guys are just shitting on the fights you have the best job in the world you get paid to watch fights 
Yes, that's that is true. But at the same <laughs> time, they're more fun when you get to passively watch them instead of having to be like, "Oh, was that a was that a tight left hook?" or you know, things like yeah. that. Yeah, just it's also you know when you when you really have yeah when you have to pay hard attention to the bad fights, you really start to feel like the good fights become feel more rare. Also, when I'm watching fights as like a job. I don't get to watch them with anybody else because I have to yeah. I have headphones in and I'm typing things. I'm sorry I can't talk to you right now. There's a finish happening, you know. <laughs> uh, and if you're not typing away while you're watching the fights, you get to actually interact with other human beings, which is which is fun. Yeah, it's true. All right, well I better run. I gotta go do a whole nother th- show. So thanks for having me on. You can find me on Twitter at Zane Simon as always, and uh, you can find the sixth round post fight show coming out tomorrow on Bloody Elbow Presents on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and we will have uh, coming out on bloodyelbow.com, of course. So uh, subscribe to us there and find me there. Find me on Twitter, and thanks for having me. Sorry for keeping you so long, Zane. I just like talking to you so darn much. <laughs> See you later, man. All right, have a good one, man. All right, so myself, Flying Brian J, is going to recap the rest of these two fight cards as much as I can for the next, oh, 20 minutes or so. You guys are going to be my co-host for the duration, or the, the remainder of this show so let's get into a welterweight fight which happened tonight at ufc fight night 142 it happened before justin willis defeated mark hunt tony martin or anthony rocco martin defeated jake matthews via technical submission anaconda choke in the third round at a minute 19 heading into that round tony martin was down 20 to 18 i think on every single one of the judges fight cards jake matthews is a local kid uh, so that really puts a stamp on the locals lost tonight. Jake Matthews, local, lost. Mark Hunt, local, lost. Tyson Pedro, local, lost. Taito Ivasa, local, and lost. But Aunt Rocco Martin looked fantastic. Even when he was losing the first two rounds, uh, he was landing his right hand. I, actually, and I think the judges might have been a little bit of a bias toward Matthews in that second stanza because Jake Matthews hardly did anything. And if we looked at the stats on UFC.com, I think that Actually, I think I have him up right now. Stats per round. Uh, anyway, I believe Rocco Martin outlanded yeah, 17 to 9 in the second round for Martin over Matthews. He was landing his right hand counter against Jake Matthews a lot. Actually, Matthews was very, very hesitant uh, and wasn't doing a whole lot in the second round, just waiting, waiting, waiting for the overhand right. And I found it strange. Between the rounds, Matthew's corner was just telling him, hey, when you throw that overhand right, aim a little lower because Martin's uh, ducking away and getting out of the range of it. And they focused on that one weapon instead of telling him, hey, let's use more weapons. Let's move more laterally. Let's uh, let's counter him with different shots than just that overhand right. That was, that was strange. Uh, but Martin did a really good job chopping the lead leg down of Matthews, and then when the finish came, Martin chopped the lead leg down. Matthews kind of goes to the ground. Martin gets him in a front headlock, takes his back, was going to look for the hooks to get a rear naked choke, decided against it, and came back and snagged Anaconda choke, and it was beautiful. Man, fantastic finish. He actually slept Jake Matthews in that third round. In the post-fight interview, Martin was like, Hey, uh, Dana White, Sean Shelby, Mick Maynard, who's ever listening, put the 165-pound division in effect and build it around me. I think that my friend Eugene S., I've actually never talked to Eugene, but I watch all of his shows and we're kind of colleagues, but I think he would say that Martin is 
almost lost battalion. He got this amazing win, fantastic finish, looked really good, had some uh, mutton chops like you would see on Red Dead Redemption 2. But to say that they should build the division around him, coming into this fight, he was the number 54 welterweight in the world, according to Tapology.com. I don't think that the UFC is going to build a brand new division around somebody ranked 54th in the world. I did like, however, that uh, Rocco Martin said, fuck Ben Askren. I like Ben Askren, but that's just kind of cool thing to do. You talk shit about a guy that has some relevancy in the news lately. That's pretty neat. But what I think should be next for Rocco Martin is a fight with Lee the Leech Jing Liang. The Leech hasn't lost, I think, since he lost to Jake Matthews via decision. Uh, the Leech has looked really good. And then, of course, uh, they've got a similar opponent in Jake Matthews. I would like to see that. Ne- and the, the recency of the fights, too, because Jing Liang just fought like last weekend. Rocco fought tonight. I think that would be a nice transition for those guys. Aaron Sterling, he went 10-2-1 tonight with lost bets on Craig and Hunt. Decent recreational profit, but Hunt let me down on a... 38 to 1 quad of Hayes, Hunt, Shogun, and JDS. That's three of the last four cards now I've been one fight away. Damn, Aaron, that's um, pretty good. You know, 10, 2, and 1 is a really good record. RC Kim. Has there ever been a fighter where it's where it's as difficult to tell whether he is completely washed or is just showing up for checks and mailing it in as Mark Hunt? Mark Hunt is both one of the most overrated fighters ever and also underappreciated and that's just weird to say the guy's record is now 13 14 and 1 that's that's crazy that's a really bad record and yet we love him because of his walk-off knockouts um he's gotten a title shot in the past uh i put him in my top fights to watch video this week I think that he's, uh, we remember him really fondly because of those walk-off knockouts and he's got a penchant for finishing people, but I think that he's overrated a little bit in that he's just 13 and 14, that's god-awful, but also underappreciated um, in that, uh, I don't think he's ever been known outside of the hardcore fan base. So he's a he's an anomaly, I think, an enigma. I'm kind of sad to see him go from the UFC. It was classy of Justin Willis after beating Hunt by unanimous decision 29-28 across the board to just when Dan Hardy put the microphone in front of his face, Willis was like, hey, man, this is this guy's night. And then he gave the microphone to Mark Hunt, of course, after they hugged. This is Mark Hunt's last fight in the UFC. He said he's going to go to another organization and probably fight five more times. I hope that he goes somewhere else. And we hardcore fans get to appreciate him when they put him in there against some, I don't want to be disrespectful, but a jobber. I want to see him face a jobber just because I want to see him get a walk-off knockout again live in my lifetime. Health Plan 1000. When Hunt KO'd Big Country, I began to love him. Uh, I've liked Mark Hunt for quite a while um i've been really annoyed by him lately because of how much shit he talks about uh ped users and how much he whines about getting beat by brock hunt and and yada yada but i think that's a little bit of a product of hey the media puts a microphone in front of his face and they're like hey what do you think about ped users he says something they put it in a headline so it's not really mark hunt's fault that the media is asking him these questions to be able to make some clickbait headlines so uh I was annoyed by him, but I think that it's not fake news, but it's the media's fault. 
Um, Hunt is now on a three-fight losing streak after TKOing none other than Derek the Black Beast Lewis. Uh, I didn't say what's next for Junior Dos Santos. He says that he wants a rematch with Alistair Overeem. Alistair Overeem recently called out Derek Lewis. I wouldn't be upset at all if JDS fought Derek Lewis. I think that'd be that'd be just fine. Did I say Brock Hunt? I probably said Brock Hunt. I fudge my words a lot. VJ Valdez, thanks for the correction. Brock Lesnar. Hunt complained a lot about Brock Lesnar. Fuck that guy anyway. I agree with Hunt on that. Fuck that guy. I don't like Brock Lesnar. I think he's really, really overrated. He was never an exciting fighter. And people remember him like he's some god. He got fucking annihilated by Cain Velasquez and Alistair Overeem. He beat Randy Couture for the belt. Woohoo! The guy was ancient and a light heavyweight. Big good props for you, Brock Lesnar. Anyway, I'm done talking some smack. Let's move down on the card. Ooh, I recapped uh, Aaron Sterling's gambling night. Let's recap my gambling night real fast before we get into some more fights. I put uh, four units on Tony Martin to win. That cashed. I put uh, at plus 110. I put one unit on Wilson Hayes to beat Ben Wen at plus 120. That cashed. So there's I'm up five units. <clears throat> I put ten units on uh, Kaya Cara France to beat Elias Garcia. Parlayed with Demir Ismagulov at minus uh, 190 to win 5.26 units. That cash. So now I'm, I'm up quite a bit. <clears throat> but then I put uh, one unit on Mark Hunt to win via KO or TKO. That lost. And I put five units on Tyson Pedro to win uh, inside the distance. So I bet a total of 21 units. I came out with 4.8 units for an ROI of 23%. Not that you guys care too much about gambling, but there we go. Mm, health plan. I don't. Uh, health plans talking about boxing. I don't know anything about boxing. Jack Hucknell says Brock Lesnar is the undisputed juice weight champion. Are uh, I mean, I guess he's the. Nope. I don't think so. Vitor TRT Tor Belfort is the juice weight champion of all fucking time. TRT Belfort's got to be one of my favorite fighters in the history of the UFC in the history of mixed martial arts. This guy was so fun to watch. But let's move down. Sadiq Yusuf, uh, TKO of Suman Mokhtarian in the very first round, came out swinging with a, a right hand hurt Mokhtarian. A lot of uh, hooks in tight, sent Mokhtarian against the fence, and then he continued to rip hooks to the body, rip hooks upstairs while Mokhtarian was covering up. A lot of people said it was an uh, early stoppage. Mokhtarian lost his equilibrium, lost his like eyesight, eyes rolled in the back of his head when that overhand right kind of short one smacked Mokhtarian as he went back against the fence. And then Sadiq Yusuf just was unloading on him. I think there was probably like 20 unanswered strikes. Granted, maybe 15 were to the body, not to the head after Mokhtarian had been hurt. But I think it was a fine stoppage. I'm fairly certain it was Mokhtarian's UFC debut. Hopefully he gets another shot in the UFC. But regardless, I think that we need to save fighters from too much damage. And look like Sadiq was just going to keep pouring it on him. 
let's see what else there's really important to talk about. Well, we're we're closing out the main card of UFC Fight Night 142 with Jimmy Crute versus Paul Craig. Paul Craig shot in on a lot of takedowns, got a few of them, got Crute to the canvas, got into half guard, and got swept by Crute on a couple of occasions. As the fight went on, Paul Craig would go in for takedowns, Crute would just defend them, reverse position, get on top, uh, and a couple of times Crute had an arm triangle submission. Looked like it was locked in, but Paul Craig did a really good job answering the phone to stay alive. Uh, and then Crute got the Kimura submission at 4.51 of round number three, nine seconds to go. And at that point in the card, the previous tidbit had just been awful. Rob Amon says, Paul Craig might get cut after tonight. Uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, against Magomed Ankalaev back in March, that, that triangle choke submission with one second to go in the fight after just getting demolished by Ankalaev might save Paul Craig from getting cut. But yeah, if it wasn't for that last second Hail Mary triangle choke, Paul Craig would be on a four-fight losing streak, so I could definitely see him getting cut. Uh, he's fun to watch, but whatever. He's a teacher. I don't know if he's still a part-time teacher, but uh, you know he's he's a school teacher. What can we expect too much out of him? Conley Rasser says, "I think the right move for Hua would be Jan Blahovic. It's a very winnable fight for him and jumps him up in the rankings. After that fight, I'd say Hua should try Luke Rockhold for a number one contender." Luke Rockhold, I think, might be staying at middleweight instead of moving up to light heavyweight. I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. But I've said for a long time, Hua looks kind of chubby. He's got some weight around the middle. Perhaps he could cut to middleweight, but then at the same time, we see guys like Kelvin Gastelum and, of course, the champion, uh, Robert Whitaker, who those guys are going to fight soon, move up from, from 170 to stop cutting so much weight, have great success at 185 pounds. We saw Anthony Smith stop cutting to 185, go up to 205, and recently knocked out uh, Hua, Rashad Evans, and then submitted Volkan Uzdemir. About Hua and what's next for him, it's very interesting. We saw, uh, who said earlier something about Mark Hunt? We don't know if he's washed or just showing up for a paycheck. Hua is a guy that we don't know if he's, I don't know where he's at. He seems like he doesn't move that well. Uh, he gets hurt really easily, but he's 4-1 and one in his last five fights. I, I'm very surprised by the success that Hua has been having. And it's interesting, too, that Hua's not that old. He just has a lot of mixed martial arts miles on him. R.C. Kim. Okami and Hirota are definitely getting cut. I love Okami, but when you're boring and cannot muscle a smaller guy, you're done. You're kind of done. Yeah, Okami's probably done. But we're not even going to talk about those fights. I need to check the time. How long have we been chatting? I can't go too much over a half an hour per the boss's orders. I don't know how to say your name. Lord Ellie the First, I think, says, Kaya Kara France was good tonight. Kai Kara France was one of my highlights of this entire fight card. He was on the prelims of the fight card that happened tonight. And uh, he showed diverse striking. He showed uh, submission defense, great ground and pound, had some attitude out there. Uh, won 30-25, 30-25, 30-26. He was exciting. And it, he was a breath of fresh air. And every one of the prelim fights at UFC Adelaide went to a decision Carl France almost got the finish, but regardless, a 30-25 on two scorecards is, is damn near getting a finish. And he was extremely fun to watch. It just saddens me that he's in the flyweight division, a division that supposedly the UFC is going to be cutting. I think, here's an idea. This might be, um, 
conspiracy theory type of shit, but I think the Dana White might be saying that they're cutting the UFC, that nobody cares about, or they're cutting the flyweight division, and that nobody cares about the 125-pound fighters as a way to Jedi mind fuck us into actually caring more about the flyweight fights. But then I think, too, I'm just going back and forth. I'm having a conversation with myself. Uh, all the flyweight fights this weekend were on the prelims. So uh, who the fuck knows? Let's talk about a couple things from the Ultimate Fighter Season 28 finale that were really good. Tim Means got a minute and 18 second TKO over Rick Rainey. Uh, Means was landing his, I think it was a right straight. What? Left straight. Both as like the first strike and as a counter against Rick Rainey that did a, a lot of damage to Rick Rainey. They got into a clinch up against the fence. Tim Means got him in a body lock, picked him up, put him down, uh, and then got the <clears throat> ground got the KO with some vicious ground pound. During that entire minute eighteen seconds, Rick Rainey poked Tim Means in the eye twice, and one Means got the body lock takedown. Rick Rainey grabbed the fence on the way down, and Means still whooped that ass. I think Rick Rainey's probably getting cut. He's a former Bellator fighter, and I believe that he's 0-2 in the UFC uh, since since joining back in, well, his first fight was in April. Both stoppage losses. I think Rick Rainey's gone. <laughs> yeah. Rick Rainey with the fouls woke up Tim, said Jack Hucknell. And uh, I had somebody ready for for Tim Means. Oh, yeah, and and a what-the-fuck of the weekend can go to Tim Means because after he beat Rick Rainey, he called out Diego Sanchez. He said to Diego that Diego's been toxin some shit in Albuquerque, and if he wants it, come and get it. He's He wants to fight Diego Sanchez. And I know it's not quite, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not quite this bad, but Tim Means calling out Sanchez in 2018, the fight probably happened in 2019 if it goes down, it's kind of like calling out fucking Chuck Liddell. I know... Uh, Diego Sanchez isn't that washed, but one, Diego has been has been fighting at 155 pounds for a long time. I know he moved up to 170, got fucking destroyed by Matt the Immortal Brown. But come on, Tim, you can do better than that. Call out somebody with more relevance. Diego Sanchez is a big name, I guess. Do people still think Diego Sanchez is a big name? Ah, I, I thought it was a, just a waste of a call out for Tim Means. What the fuck can go to him? Rob Amon says next should be Tim Means versus Bellal. Remember the name Muhammad. I like it. Book it. It's fine. Sounds fine to me. RC Kim says he wants uh, Justin Willis to fight Alistair Overeem next. That'd be fine. I was thinking... Uh, well, I want Tui Vasa to fight Willis. And I'm fine with Alistair Overeem fighting Derek Lewis. And then maybe Overeem fighting the winner of Lewis versus... Or J- Junior Dos Santos fighting the winner of Alistair Overeem versus Taito Ivasa. I think that would be a fun little sequence of, of doobers there. Conley Rasser, Sanchez is a household name. I guess, man, but let's just look up. I'm going to Wikipedia Diego Sanchez real fast. And let's go over his re- recent record. I could tap all GM too, but we're going to Wikipedia him. All right, so Diego has a win over Craig White. I guess that was at welterweight. I got knocked out by Matt Brown. Got knocked out by Ally Quinta. Beat Marcin Held. Got knocked out by Joe Lozon. Defeated Jim Miller. That's that's one of the weirdest ones. That was two years ago, but that's fucking weird. I just... 
I really just believe that Tim Means should have called out somebody more relevant to the rankings, higher higher on the totem pole right now, higher on the food chain. Uh, Kevin Aguilar defeated Rick Glenn at the Ultimate Fighter Season 28 finale. Uh, Rick Glenn missed weight. He weighed in at 148.5 pounds. Uh, and Rick Glenn was the way taller fighter, but Glenn would go for like a teep kick, and Aguilar would pull away from it and then step in and uppercut Rick Glenn. It happened on multiple occasions. Aguilar would be a, far enough away from the long strikes of Glenn and then come in playing that cat and mouse back and forth game, which actually someone else on this on this very same card was doing. Benavides was doing the same thing, moving away. Benavides was moving away from Perez. Perez would throw a strike, and as soon as Perez would like start the strike, Benavides would be tight, like too tight for the long strike to land, and then Benavides would do that typical kind of uh, team alpha male hooks. But Aguilar, he's the former uh, LFA champion, I believe. And uh, he said that after this fight, he just wanted people to remember his name. He wanted people to say, did you see that guy Kevin Aguilar fight in the UFC this weekend? And I think that he really... I think that he pulled that off. Yeah, he's the former LFA champion. Uh, he he won a fight via split decision on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series over Joey Gomez, and then looked really good against Rick Glenn. Had he had good power, good movement, nice fight IQ, and even though he got hurt by Glenn toward the end of the fight with some elbows and tight against the fence, I think that he 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 looked really good. I know a lot of people aren't that high on Rick Glenn, but I think that Kevin Aguilar showed us that he's a guy that's perhaps going to be on a top three fights to watch in the near future. Lord Eli the First wants to talk about Roosevelt Roberts' uh, guillotine choke victory over Daryl Horcher, which which was uh, pretty fucking fantastic. Did I write any notes down about it? I just put it as as what the hell. That's my only note. Uh, Roberts was used his range really well against Horcher. He he played the outside game phenomenally well. His long straight punches were were stinging Horcher a whole bunch of times. But also, Roberts did a good job of getting in tight and getting knees to the body. So he was great outside. He was great inside. And then he's got a lot of submission victories on his resume. He got another one on this night. Daryl Horcher was pushing him up against the fence and he was just kind of in the guillotine choke so strong with the guillotine that Daryl Horcher tried to climb the cage sideways in order to get out of it. He ended up having to tap, but it was a basically a beautiful image. It was one of the best images that we could have taken from the entire weekend was Roosevelt holding on to that guillotine and Horcher up sideways on the fence. And it was at that point in the post-fight show video that my internet went down due to a snowstorm or a winter weather advisory in my area where it had rained for like the last 12 hours and then snowed heavily on top of it. I think there might have been a slight internet outage in the area. But anyway, I was about to talk about my post-fight bonuses, which would have gone to Junior Dos Santos, Mauricio Shogun Hua, Anthony Rocco Martin, Joseph Benavidez, and... Maybe Tim the Dirty Bird means because I was given post-fight bonuses for the entire weekend of the UFC instead of just 
this night of fights, which was UFC Fight Night 142. The real bonuses went to Kamaru Usman, Juan Espino, Joseph Benavidez, and Roosevelt Roberts for the Ultimate Fighter Season 28 finale. And then at UFC Adelaide, the post-fight bonuses actually went to Kaya Kara France versus Elias Garcia as fight of the night, and performances went to Shogun Hua and Sadiq Yusuf. Thank you so much for listening to this post-fight show, my friends. I'll be back next week after UFC 231 to do a live post-fight show after we watch Max Blessed Holloway fight Brian T-City Ortega in the main event of that pay-per-view. In the co-main event, Valentina Bullet Shevchenko takes on the former strawweight champion, Ioana Yinjacek. Thanks again, my friends. Namaste.